Hey, everybody. Blair and Barker, Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. Ben Ennis filling in for Jeff Blair. Blue Jays lose on getaway day. They would like to get away from the American League East. It is now five straight series losses to American League East opponents. Kevin, uh, they dropped the rubber match. 4-2 to the Baltimore Orioles today. Hey, familiar story. 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. Uh, this team having some issues uh, scoring recently, Kevin. I mean, they, they, they scored a bunch of runs in, in garbage time in game one of the series. Uh, they scored enough runs yesterday to win. Today, they had one guy who was responsible for all the offense. Danny Jansen with a couple of home runs. Outside mm-hmm. of him, not a lot going on. Yeah, Danny Jansen was good. Let's start there, right? It's let's be optimistic a little okay. bit, right? There's okay. a, there, there's some good things to go around. Danny Jansen, like you mentioned, is one of them. He was you know, the the first step in all of that is to get comfortable, right? He looks actually like he's very comfortable at the plate, which a lot of the times he doesn't, right? It's he's very stale. It looks like he's stiff, like he's gripping that bat so hard because he wants to hit it to one side of the field, and you know he's just trying so hard to do it. But it looked like today he was. Smooth and easy. His bat looked a little bit quicker, right? That way the ball that's away has a little cut to it. He can get the head out a little bit more and pull that to the to the side that he wants the baseball to go. So, yeah, that was really good. But a lot of the times whenever your first five guys in your order doesn't have an RBI on the road against a really good team who is in front of you in the standings in your division. Tough to win. Yeah, it's probably, especially when your number five guy's going on the mound. And, you know, sort of you say is – you say he's going to give you a chance. You know, he's probably not going to implode and give up 15 runs. He'll give you a decent chance, pass the baton to whoever else is coming in, you know, keep you in the game to maybe allow your lineup to maybe have no, the beginning. He, he was he was okay, I guess. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. He didn't go five. He had a chance to go five yeah. except for an error. Sort but of no, him, I think. He's, he's the fifth starter. Absolutely. He gave him two runs. Yeah. They got through five innings, Absolutely. giving up only two runs with their fifth starter on the hill. I understand Jimmy Garcia had to get the final out. Um, no, you got to score more than two runs to win baseball games more often than not. You and if you're not going to do that, everything's got to go right. Like, you got to get umpires getting all the calls right in the top uh, of the first okay, inning or bottom of the first inning. Okay, let's stop right there. Mm-hmm. With two outs. Uh-huh. Try, try not to walk the three-hole hitter. Yeah, that would try be good. Try not to wild pitch him to second. That would be, yeah, helpful. Try and even if you do get, you know, a bad call made against you, make uh-huh. a better pitch. Like, it's – if the two things had not have happened in front of the bad call, I, I wonder I, – you hear yelling and screaming all the time about the umpires. People not used to seeing that. We're talking about automated strike zones for a reason. Like, <laughs> like I come on this show a lot of the times and yell and scream because it's funny. I don't do it because, oh, did you see the umpire? Like, it's odd that we see a bad call. Uh-huh. It happens a lot of the times. That's why you've been around. Experience will tell you, take a deep breath, exhale, make a better pitch. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let it implode into you giving up a bloop single to left field from a good hot hitter at the time. I just think, for me anyway, this is me. Don't walk a guy. Mm. which is sort of what you say sometimes when he gets in trouble. You know, it's non-competitive fastballs. It's overthrowing. Saw that a couple of times. Pitches, but you give him credit, right? His his curveball and his slider, he was throwing it slower, yep. which will allow him to strike out seven guys. Six of those are off the slider. I'm calling them sliders. 
Because, you know, normally his slider, when he's choking it off, trying to overgrip it with the middle finger, it looks more like a cutter than it does a slider. And that's the 90-mile-an-hour, 91-mile-an-hour. Today we saw more 86, 87 with that thing. That will have it break more. You know, it tunnel a little longer. He can control it a little bit more. It's not erratic. It's not non-competitive out of the hand. And it's not a BP heater. When it's actually breaking and it looks like a slider, he can actually have it breaking, which is a big deal. That little cutter thing that he throws, it's sort of like a security blanket, right? You you know, we you do all these things to reinvent yourself. We're going to still let you throw the cutter, and a lot of times it's not real good. So give him credit. He's made some adjustments, the slower breaking ball. Absolutely. The little split change he likes to throw at 89 and that slower slider that he can eliminate guys and get some punch outs. Well, and and he generally, he's a good number five guy. He's, right? he's, he's perfectly well, adequate. Absolutely. And he's throwing hard, yeah. which for me is the most important part out of that. Honestly, despite the fact there's been a couple of starting pitching blips, I mean, it's Chris Bassett and it's Kevin Gott. Like you, the pitching has not been the issue, absolutely even against the, the American League East. The, well, this this horrible run of, of the series. Time. It's all offense, Kevin. And and credit to John Schneider who's who's trying things. We talked about it yesterday that he's, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna try some things. We're gonna move Kevin Kiermeyer out of the nine hole. We're we're gonna move Dalton Varsho up to number three. Today it was Whit Merrifield hitting fifth. He's, you know, top fifteen in major league baseball in in batting average. Not exactly your prototypical Five-hole hitter, I would say. Uh, not a ton of pop coming off his bat, but just somebody, some somewhere, give us something. Come up with a big hit with runners in scoring position because right now okay. it's not Matt Chapman. He was he was the only guy with multiple opportunities with runners in scoring position. He was 0 for 2 in those situations. I feel, your, frustra- I feel your frustration, so I'm going to ask you. Seventh and eighth inning, Orioles are sort of where they're at because of a couple guys yeah. in their bullpen, Cano and Batista. And they got se- to Cano se- a little se- bit. Seventh and eighth inning, right? He's a little erratic. He's leaving yeah. balls where he probably shouldn't. He's throwing, you know, secondary pitches to Vladdy. Probably you can give Vladdy credit too. He actually had an approach today. You could tell he's looking for the ball away. Yeah. Right. I mean, it may have been a little off the plate away, but you could tell it was an effort up. I'm going to give you the ball second. in, mm-hmm. and I'm going to swing it everything away. It's a good approach. He had a couple of hits. Maybe he can build off of that and start hunting speeds now, and maybe he'll start to backspinning some baseballs and hitting some home runs, getting some big hits for the team. I wonder, is it is it George Springer in the seventh inning after the pitching coach runs out to Cano and says, be careful, get it close, he'll get himself out? Or is it the two guys throwing? Like mm-hmm. Cano and Batista are really good. Cano's sort of, you know, coming back down to earth a little, right? Is it those two guys or is it the lineup not having quality at bats? Is it Whit Merrifield who you're asking to help run produce instead of run score, which is a lot to ask. I know he's been a really good hitter, and he's shortened his stride, which allows him to be a little short and quicker, enables him to use the entire field. Just doesn't happen because. So I understand why they're moving him up, putting him in spots, trying to push their luck towards the hotter hitters. And Matt Chapman, look, he's getting good pitches to hit. It's just like he's not getting his foot down. Like that, that's sort of, I would guess, out of the three names, we sort of know George is very aggressive early. We know that. Well, you know, Chapman I saw a lot might of... be the one guy. I, I saw a lot of, uh, yeah, aggression early. You mentioned the first pitch uh, line out to right field in the seventh line inning. Line out. Yeah, yeah, okay, it was a blooper. Uh, he had a, a blooper earlier in the game. Nice play by Santander in right field. Uh, keeping More that... of a fall than a dive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> TV dive? Ah, no. no. I'm not going there. All right. No. Uh, I believe Danny Jansen singled off a uh, Cano on the first pitch as well. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
swung at the first pitch in all four of his plate appearances today. Now, he did go two for four. One of those hits was on a first pitch as well. Like, where do you stand? He's also hitting over 500 this season when he puts the first pitch of of the at-bat in play. Like, there there is... Who is? over Vladdy. Yeah, yeah. I think Springer, too, in his career has got, like, something around the... Some ridiculous number. He's hitting well over 350 and got, like, 40 or 50 homers on the first pitch. Mm -hmm. So, it's... It's very hard, and you could tell the approach with the Orioles to the Blue Jays hitters were away, mm. right? It's slider away, split finger away, it's fastball away, it's cutter away. Like you could tell, there was a there was approach there, and you could tell the Blue Jays, <clears throat> excuse me, were trying to make it a an, an approach in game and say, okay, if you're going to do that, we're going to be very aggressive on the ball away, <clears throat> which is what you have to do. I just I just wonder against it's like the Springer at bat. I, this is just me, would have loved to have seen him take that. Yeah. Give Cano a chance to mess up and throw you 97 a, right down the middle. Yeah, he's right not a guy that walks people this he season. Well, he'll throw, he will give you something good to hit yeah. if you let him. Mm. That's the only thing, right? It's those at-bats where you're sort of not thinking about his mechanics. It's more of after you see the pitching coach run out there, what could the pitching coach possibly be telling him? Be careful, get it close, see if he can get himself out. Don't have to throw it down the middle. Don't have to be your best secondary pitch or your located, dotted up fastball right on the black. Get it close, see if you'll let him get himself out. And then if he doesn't, then you'll have to get back to work and attack that way. So I would have loved him seeing him take it, see how the at-bat would have went. It's okay to see a couple of pitches, give that pitcher a chance to throw you one down the middle. Maybe hangs the slider. Maybe you can hit that slider to the moon because you saw him hit change up to the moon yeah. <clears throat> yesterday. That's all I'm saying. So those at bats, to your point, with the guys that matter the most, and they're trying. You know, the organization, oh, yeah. John's trying to put everybody in the right spot to just didn't work out today. Well, and so, there's a large part of this that is just, hey, Blue Jays beginning of last season also had this horrible runners in scoring mm-hmm. position. Like, I, I I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was like one for like 70 to start yeah. the season last year with runners in scoring position. That's hit internationally? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I think you guys have covered that, that trade more than enough uh, this season. Not not looking too great, although Dalton Varsho got on base today. Um, but, yeah, so th- there's a large part of what's going on offensively with this Blue Jays team. The lack of offense is due to runners in scoring position. But not all of it, Kevin. I get at a certain point you are what you are, right? And and it hasn't been all season long because the overall numbers are pretty good offensively because they had a pretty good April. Uh looked like a pretty legit offensive club and they're missing, I don't know, maybe their most important offensive player in Brandon Belt at 35 years old coming off a uh knee surgery. But at 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 what point do we look at this this Blue Jays offense and seeing enough of a sample that it's 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 going to be hard to see them hitting yeah. their way out of this. I, I don't know how you could say that with, unless Vladdy gets hot. If Vladdy gets hot and then everybody else is sort of staying the way they are now, mm-hmm. I'll buy into that. I, I'll, I'll agree with you. But we haven't really seen Vladdy go on a heater yet. Like a, okay. the Vladdy thing where everything he's swinging at is leaving the yard or he's hitting a double. I think he's had like five doubles the last two months. Like all of May and, and, and in June, he's had like five doubles. It's just not good enough, right? Every. Things he's doing at the plate right now it's just are off the field is not translating to on the field. So normally, <clears throat> sometimes I'd like to agree with you because it's easier that way. But I just <laughs> you don't, don't have to. But I just don't think we've seen the best out of Vladdy. I mean, and if we do start seeing that, everybody else, because of your guy is doing it and carrying the load, everybody else sort of just takes a deep breath, exhales, and sort of walks up and says, free and easy. 
I'm going to swing at mine, and it's just easier that way because the big boy's doing his thing. So let's wait it out a little bit, understanding that who they're about to face, which is what Texas are those Rangers. Yeah, which they're first in baseball with runners in scoring position and hitting 324. The difference is the Jays are 25th at 236. Yeah, they've scored the most runs in all of baseball. Rangers have an eight, a 918 OPS with runners in scoring position. The Jays have a 689, which is 26th in baseball. Those are not real good numbers. Well, they are for the Rangers. Absolutely. So this, again, <laughs> we've said this, and yeah. we'll continue to say it. The Just like today, those at-bats that matter the most against really good bullpen arms, you got to take the close one mm-hmm. to get the one down the middle. If you start swinging at those close ones, you're going to lose four to two. Well, and you got to hit the ones that are right down the middle. And uh, match happens at a couple the last couple of games. Uh, that he has not put a great swing on. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that Rangers series and what the Blue Jays have done with the, the rotation in just a second. But let's hear from the manager. Here is uh, John Schneider after today's 4-2 loss in Baltimore, losing the rubber match against the Orioles. John, pregame, you told me you keep an eye on that slider execution. How did it look like to you? Uh, better today. You know, a lot of soft hits, I think. Um, got a lot of swing and miss on it to the righties. Um, Homer came on a fastball in 0-2. I thought that's the right call, just a uh, good swing by Adley. But I thought the slider was better today for sure. The offense, they're just missing that big key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting traffic. It's a tough bullpen to score against there. It's, um, you know, you got to get it done early and, and more consistently. Uh, seems like we're getting guys on and just not cashing in. So that's kind of been the M.O. What did you see on the ball down the line? Did you think you had a shot at it? It's, it was so high, and you would think at some point we'd get some – some laser technology or something like tennis on check swings, fair foul. I mean, I don't know. It's it was um, or a higher foul pole would have been a, a a little bit of an advantage there. But it was it was close. It's five hundred feet away, so it's tough to tough to call. John, when you talk about the, the lineup and their approach, is that a matter of time deal, or is there one kind of thread that you see that's common? Um, no, I think the common thread is just we're not getting the hits in, in those spots. Um, I do think it's a matter of time. I mean, these guys are talented and. Um, you know, I think that's just it's going to take a few games in a row to kind of cash those runs in. Um, yeah, but we got to we got to turn that around for sure. Um, I mean, not exactly where we want to be. You know, I think we, we can all kind of look each other in the face and say that um, doing some good things really well, kind of sporadically, whether it's, you know, on the mound um, or at the plate. So really haven't kind of fired on all cylinders yet to. You know, I think you guys all kind of know that, too. Um, not for a lack of effort, not for a lack of prep. Um, so hopefully that kind of gets, you know, in sync here pretty quick. All right, how about this? All right, so the six games over 500, John Schneider's right. They're, they're not clicking on, on all cylinders. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not with any of that. No, they're, they're not. Um, they've had, he's right, at, at different times this season, they've had different things going. And even the offense looked good, like I said, in April, early on. First game of the season, scored a ton of runs against uh, what turns out to be a bad a St. Louis Cardinals yeah, team. Yeah, a lot of games. Uh, how about this being like a pretty good time of the season to not be good, to not be hit on all cylinders? I, I, if you're going to choose a time of the year, it would be early in the season to not be coming up with uh, the hits with runners in scoring position. Uh, they got a bunch of games against the American League East in September. I know you got the schedule in front of you, and that's what you're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. If they come up with uh, uh, with a bunch of hits with runners in scoring position, they look like the team we expected them to look like at the beginning of the season. If they look like that team at the end of the season, I mean, that's better than now, right? Can't argue with that. Into the playoffs? Well, got to get into the playoffs, but yeah. 
being good late, I think, would be better than being good now. Now, if you're if you're not yeah. good enough before the trade deadline in a very difficult American League, that impacts things. But I, I would say if you're going to struggle, now would be the the good time yeah, you're, to struggle. You're, you're really competing with four teams for two spots in a to make the wild card. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's really what you're doing. You look at the Orioles; they're like four and a half games up in the wild card, right? And then the Rays are obviously in first place. So you're competing against three other teams for one of the wild card spots. It's basically what you're doing. So, yeah, I don't know. I, for, for me, with the schedule the way it is, right, they're going to get the, the Giants. They're going to get Oakland for three. They're going to get Boston for three at home. Mm. They're going to get the White Sox. who's not real good. They're going to get Detroit before the All-Star break. They're going to get some teams to gain some ground here. But to John's point, right, you got to – they're getting traffic. Like, it's not like they're getting a, not getting a ton of dudes on base. Yeah. It's just that – why are you swinging at an OO slider on the black away from a guy that has a tremendous weird arm angle who's right-handed who throws a bazillion miles an hour? I think that's what it is, right? Those little things just have to get a little better. And it's very hard, I'm assuming, with the track record that Springer's had, to, if you're John, to walk up to George and go, hey, hey George, yeah. like I know well, you've been unbelievable it, recently, on first pitches, you, yeah. but – Give him a chance to throw you one down the middle. That, that I think, without him saying it out loud, is sort of what he's alluding to. And consistently, one through nine. Look, run producers don't grow on trees. We've had this conversation, and, and you know, some of the people that I work with, not you, no. like, <laughs> like to say that that's a team stat, runners uh-huh. in scoring position. And I somewhat can agree with that because there has to be those guys on base. But the reason why they make educated guesses and have all these khakis trying to line up these hot guys to come up all the right time with runners on base will tell you otherwise. That run producers don't grow on trees. The approaches don't grow on trees when there's a dude standing at second base because that's taking food off the table of the dude standing on the mound and his approaches and his stuff and the mile per hour and the just in tune with mechanics, knowing that I can't screw this up because I can't let that guy score, means you're at bat mentally, physically, everything has to be that much better is to its it to its just ultimate degree. So hopefully they can figure it out and it will help guys in the middle of the order start doing their thing a little bit more. Oh well, yeah. Right? I mean, look at look at this stretch against the American League East. I mean there have been some blowouts, but a lot of close games. And this is about the, one hit away to your point. I, yeah, there, yeah. And you keep talking about the Vlad hot streak, which, yeah, I mean, I do believe is 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 coming. He did have two hits today. And we're, we're talking about the power. And he, had a, he had an approach today. You could tell it's obvious. It was obvious uh-huh. that he did not want to swing at the ball in. He wanted to swing at the ball away because right now he has a little bit of a longer swing. Because of everything that's going on, right? Hands are dropping a little lower. Stride may be a little bit longer. What do you do when you're not doing something right? I, I, how do you equate this to golf? But sometimes if you're not hitting a golf ball the right way, you overswing. You try and really muscle up to hit that thing. Well, when a home run hitter goes through a thing where he's not hitting them, the first thing you want to do is get out there and get it. Instead of letting it travel, stay within yourself. Be short and quick. Don't overswing. Your mind's telling you, well, that's not working. Do just the opposite of that. And that's sort of what you're seeing Blatty do, right? And when you start thinking that way, I got to get out there and get it. I got to overswing to create everything that I want to create so it'll go somewhere where a fan can catch it that's in fair territory. Mm. You start doing those things. So, yeah, I I like the approach today. It was obvious that he 
was trying to force himself, no matter where it was at, but he was away, which is a good sign, and hopefully he can build off that. Because those balls he was hitting, right down the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's the right down. That's where he can dominate baseballs and hit them to the moon. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can carry that over. And if he starts doing that, maybe that'll let Chapman have fun. I mean, is you that keep saying that? that? Like, well, you, you think a, that's a, like a, a, a key part of this? Does he look like he's having fun? No. But again, like, Bobachette has never looked like he's had fun. Yeah, to but my Bo's eye. elite, bat the ball. But those two are not, you can't talk about those two in the same conversation. Like, Bo does things to everything off speed, breaking ball, fastball, all quadrants, right field line, left field line. When he's struggling, he's got a two strike approach. Matt Chapman have a two strike approach? Mm. Not anymore. He's eliminated that stand a little wider, sort of turn your foot, raise it off the ground. Now he's married to the toe tap. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you adjust? I'm not going to do that. I've done it in spring training. It worked in April. So hopefully Vladdy and whoever can get a little harder and have Chapman have a little. I do think having a little fun sometimes would help. Yeah, I'd be having fun if I was making millions of dollars to play professional baseball. Well, That's yeah. just me, though. I mean, he's used to making that. Now it's yeah. about per- it's <laughs> performance driven. He that, that gets he's old. A, well, he's a free agent in the offseason. He wants Ooh, to. He, he wants to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. and you got to perform. Who a doesn't? lot of pressure. Yeah, just like me. All right, uh, get the line. <laughs> uh, before we take a break here, uh, so yeah, you say Kikuchi more than fine, right? Absolutely. Two earned runs over four and two thirds should have been five, except. Uh, the the error. Except he had 19 batters face through the first four yeah, innings. Okay. That's all you have to talk about, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's sort of what he is. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, only two walks. But, yeah, there were some 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 pitches that were not, as you mentioned, competitive pitches. Sure. How about going to Jimmy Garcia, who gets out of the jam uh, in the fifth inning and then gives up. It gets two outs, but gives up three consecutive base hits um, to allow the run to cash. He was up. Like, what was he throwing, 97? Man, the, 99 the, a couple of times. Yeah, the, the velocity has not been a problem for him all season long, but, uh, like, time and time again, what? and, I, I mean, it's the fifth inning, so, I mean, it's it's not like you're going to Eric Swanson there. Yeah. Or, or Jordan Romano or whatever. But, yeah, it's getting to the point where Nate Pearson's going to be getting the top of the order, the, the big boys, right? Yeah. It's sort of you see the 99 where it's not located, that'll work bottom of the order. Mm. Once you get to one, two, three in the order, which is what Jimmy saw when he came back out for that second time, it's okay you're throwing hard. Okay, you throw five pitches, which I still – it amazes me why a bullpen arm is trying to throw five pitches and have location and maximum velocity on all those and good release points. I mean, it's impossible to work on all that. It's just – it's odd for me. But that's the difference, right? It's always not about how hard you throw. It's where you throw it to their best hitters. And that's sort of what you saw from Jimmy. And Jeff Blair has been preaching this forever. I think right now the way Nate Pearson's throwing and the way he's locating the fastball and maintaining the velocity, yeah, but it's not down the middle. Like, it's a little up. His misses are very competitive. His slider has later break to it. It's tunneling longer because he's throwing the slider harder. And now on occasion, to a lefty, occasion, he can flip that slower breaking ball to be a little bit more unpredictable. Absolutely. If you're John Snyder and Pete Walker, I think that's sort of – working itself out to where, okay, Jimmy, you went through a little neck issue. You know, your velocity dipped. All the pitches weren't working. You hadn't pitched since Friday. The velocity's back. But got to be honest with you, Nate Pearson looks better. Yeah, he does. It's about winning now. I mean, seven strikes, uh, 11 pitches. He was super efficient. He was throwing yeah. 102. Yeah. Um, strikeout rate. I mean, again, only had one strikeout. But, uh, no, the, the pitching has not been the issue for the Blue Jays. No, wasn't the issue today. 
And I know Tyler Wells was a, was a tough, you know, a tough opponent considering especially where his strengths are throwing the, the fastball up in the zone. And he was pretty good uh, striking out eight over his six and two thirds. But no, it's just this offense is, is not supported the pitchers, by the way. Uh, so Kevin Gossman, we weren't sure exactly how the, the rotation would work itself out with the off day Monday and only four starters in the rotation right now. But Kevin Gossman going to start the series debut tomorrow in Arlington, which means you got a bullpen day on Saturday, which means that you only have one bullpen day for the rest of this uh, road trip because what you got the you go to Miami after this and you got an off day next Thursday, which allows you to to, to reset the rotation at that point. So you're makes, getting Kevin twice instead of the bullpen twice. Which yeah, uh, I mean when you put whether it that way, there's only one decision. Whether losing, if they were winning, you could probably do that because it's better for Kevin. Yeah. Kevin's stuff is just better. That's a great right? point. Yeah, it's better, but they're losing. And it's go time. Like it's if they're there, it's not early anymore. Like no. people like to say that, and you know, the, I don't like to say that. They, there's a lot of people that say that it's not like it's with the teams that are in front of you and who's in front of you in the wild card race too. Like you're trying to start going on a little bit of a run here. Force the hand of your GM to have to do something closer to the trade deadline, and the only way you're going to do that is to start winning and stringing together quality stuff and who better to do it than Kevin, right? This has sort of been Kevin's MO all year. He'll have a stinker occasionally mm-hmm. where the split fingers just not splitting. But when you got the velocity that he's got consistently start after start and normally the good finish on the split finger and occasionally he'll throw that slider away to a righty. What what better way to do it than have him first day against Texas and last day against Miami. I think that's what it is, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they're probably going to need to score more than two runs. In those that, games. that would help maybe too. not. I that mean, that would help too. Yeah, against Texas, you would think so. You'd need more than no hits with runners in scoring position, uh, leaving seven on base. The Blue Jays day uh, today, zero for six with runners in scoring position as they lose two out of three to the Baltimore Orioles. Also happening this weekend, well, the Blue Jays are going to Arlington to play the Rangers. It's uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame induction weekend, mm-hmm. where our next guest will be feted. Rich Harden, former Major League pitcher, joins us next as Blair and Barker continues. I'm Ben Anderson for Jeff Blair at Sportsnet 590, The Fan and Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. Ben Ennis filling in for uh, Jeff Blair alongside Kevin Barker. You, you had any Hall of Fames? Like, you, you're a former professional athlete. You had any, you know, West Virginia Hall of Fame? I don't know. No, I, I didn't go to West Virginia. I went to Virginia Tech. Okay. Big difference. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. All right. And you're not in a Hall of Fame? No. One day, like, broadcasting Hall of Fame? <laughs> Fingers crossed? <laughs> yeah. One can dream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also am, I'm in uh, no halls of fame uh, this weekend. You ever been to St. Mary's to, to see the Canadian baseball I have not, hall of fame? But I want to bad. I've been there. It, My it wife is a goes numerous place. times, and she says it's beautiful and it's great, and we we should go. And hopefully, I go soon. Uh, well, uh, if you go this weekend, you can catch our next guest, Rich Harden, former major league pitcher, going into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, he's also got the six most strikeouts by a Canadian. Born pitcher Rich uh, joins us now. Rich, how's it going? Thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Doing pretty well, thanks. Uh, you putting the final 
finishing touches on the speech? Like, you ready to go for this weekend? Yeah, getting it together. You know, it's uh, doing speeches and everything. It's not exactly my uh, my forte, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Is there is there one thing, like, specifically that you really want to hone in on and, you know, be excited about when you speak at the Hall of Fame? I mean, I think this really is just such a good opportunity to kind of recognize all the people that, I mean, made a difference in my life. And, I mean, I, I know you, you talk to any professional athletes, you know, they're going to say the same thing. They didn't do it themselves. You know, there's so many people at every every step of the way that, you know, helped us get there. And, you know, it's also a matter of, you know, meeting the right people and luck. And uh, really, I mean, that's that's kind of my focus is uh, is just recognizing them and, and thanking everybody for basically supporting me through my career and, and helping me get to where I got to. Yeah, and it's a good time for everybody to to, to thank you for for all the the the, the great uh, gifts of, of entertainment value that the, that you gave the fans of, of Major League Baseball, especially in this country. It's also a great opportunity for you to reflect on your career. I don't know how much you did that after you retired, but uh, pitched your last game in 2011. Like, have you been doing some reflecting over the last couple of days, thinking about you know some of the moments maybe you didn't uh, didn't really think about over the last 10 years since you since you uh, stopped playing. Yeah, it's funny. It really does uh, bring up, you know, kind of forces you to reflect and brings up a lot of a lot of different memories and, and especially talking with uh, family and friends about it. And uh, yeah, you know, when I got out of the game, um, you know, I felt like I, I was at a time, you know, I was having issues with my shoulder and uh, I was kind of ready to be done. And, you know, kids were born and uh, it was a natural transition into that having kids and it kind of got me away from the game. But you know, and now that they're getting older, it's kind of gotten me back into it. And, um, yeah, it's uh, nice to go over those memories and uh, kind of reflect. Rich, early in your career, was there one of those moments where, you know, you may have been standing in the backyard, you might have been throwing with somebody that you went, oh, right there it is, and now I can take off as a pitcher? Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I always wanted to pitch. I always loved doing it, but I really never pitched much. Uh until I got to college. I mean, that, that was, you know, I was drafted as a, as a pitcher and then things kind of took off. But, you know, I, I do remember, and it's one thing I mentioned in my speech, it's, there, was, there was a moment, um, you know, a tournament in my 11th grade that, uh, you know, I badly wanted to pitch and I finally got an opportunity. It was, you know, the end of the tournament and there was no scouts around, but I was just so happy to be out there that I thought this is a moment that I want to do this. And, um, you know, quit hockey that winter, got in the gym, started working towards becoming a pitcher, and and things kind of happened from there, gained velocity. And I was still wild for a lot of my career, but, you know, over time I, I kind of got that. And that was that kind of that moment that I decided this is what I'm doing, and I, I really focused on it. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and you came out of the shoot strong, uh, Rich. First career start, you go seven innings, giving up uh, just one earned run, uh, four hits, uh, four strikeouts as well. What do you remember about your, your career debut? Uh, I mean, it's funny. One thing that actually stands out, I, I feel like my, my pitching coach, uh, Rick Peterson, I'll never forget it. Uh, he seemed much more nervous than I was, you know, I mean, it was, it was a big day for me, but, and it kind of helped loosen me up and, and, you know, have some fun. But yeah, once I got on the mound, it was, uh, I just remember, you know, not being able to feel the ball in my hand. My body was completely numb. I felt like I was throwing like 80 miles an hour out there, but it was coming out a little harder. And I think my first hitter was actually Aaron Guile, a fellow Canadian from Vancouver, um, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, it was, uh, 
was, it was an experience I'll never forget. Well, and that was a pretty interesting Oakland uh, A's team. It was coming off the Moneyball season of 2002. The book comes out in 2003. You guys win 96 games in, in that 03 season, losing in five games to the Red Sox in the ALDS. Um, what was it like to be a member of that team coming off the, in, in, well, again, 2002. We've all seen the movie, The Incredible Winning Streak, mm-hmm. but that was the, the season after that. What was it like to be a part of that team? Uh, it was it was incredible, you know, stepping into that rotation with, you know, Hudson, Zito, Mulder, um, you know, I was fortunate that, you know, I, I signed with the A's because, you know, with the, the whole money ball mentality and they were all about, uh, giving the young guys a chance and, and they kind of, you know, moved me to the minor leagues pretty quick. I was just enjoying the ride everywhere I pitched and having fun. And, and yeah, uh, stepping into that rotation as a, as a 21 year old, um, I mean, something I'll never forget. And, and also being with those guys too, they really helped kind of welcome me and get me comfortable in the big league. Uh, Mark Mulder ended up taking me in, and I lived with Mulder, Frank Manichino, Mark Ellis, and lived with them for a couple of years before Mulder got traded. And um, Zito was was great to me too, as well. And um, all those guys, it was it was a really good uh, rotation to step into, and they really made made it easier for me. Rich, I always like to ask uh, pitchers, position players that have been retired or, or haven't been playing baseball in, in a very long time how they watch the game and how their stuff then or now would translate how do you watch the game like is you know are you are you following the game as much now do you you know watch certain you know, parts of the game and go man i would throw a breaking ball here or a fastball here or, boy my elevated fastball would work here how do you watch the game it's it's funny you can't help but uh yeah we're watching it uh to, to think okay what am i doing in this situation and it's just it's just natural to to think that way i mean we, we did it for so long that instantly it's like oh i know what i'm doing here uh, but yeah, I mean the game has has changed so much, um, you know, with the uh, obviously addition of like technology and the way they're pitching. Everybody's uh, also throwing harder, and um, yeah, it's it, it, it's changed a lot. I mean, I still feel like uh, with the way I threw. I mean, I felt like I mean I, I could have some success now, and I mean it's uh, it's hard to not want to. I mean, I want to be out there. I, I do miss that. Uh, that feeling that, uh, you know, competing at, at the highest level. It's, uh, so it's, it's, it's fun to watch and see how things have changed, but it's also, it's also tough in a way too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and so many, you know, former pro athletes, they, they need to find another outlet for that competitive fire. Rich, do, do you have something? Are you golfing? Are you doing something? Are you like funneling that energy towards something? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I'm not a golfer. Uh, I actually have to, I'm golfing in the tournament this weekend here, and I've been on a course two times in my life, so I'm going to embarrass myself. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess, really really not doing anything with my, my competitive side. You know, I am uh, actually live in, uh, living in Minnesota. I, uh, wintertime, I actually have been out uh, skating with, with Morneau, playing hockey with some of those guys. So that's been, uh, that's been a lot of fun for me, uh, being around there. Rich, what do you think about Oakland moving to Vegas? Uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. um, Oakland was, you know, my home for I don't know, six years. And I mean, the fans were, were incredible. I mean, people there, I mean, they either grow up a Giants fan or an A's fan and they're diehard, you know, and it's, uh, just like the Raiders fans are. And, um, yeah, for them to lose, lose the Raiders. And then now the A's, uh, I mean, I feel for them. There's, uh, I got to know a lot of, 
a lot of people there and a lot of the fans, and there's a lot of the diehard fans that are there day in and day out every game, and, and you get a chance to kind of get to know them. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's tough. I feel really bad for them. You know, I mean, I, I wish they could figure out a way to uh, stick around. Uh, the, the fans deserve that. The city deserves that. But I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it really feels like it's, it's gone past the point of no return now. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously yeah. that, that ballpark, yeah, when, the, when there's a sparse crowd, it doesn't look so good. But when there's, you know, 35,000, 40,000 fans there, it looks a lot better, which, you know, you had uh, on occasion in the, in the early 2000s. What was your experience in that ballpark? Because, again, yeah, it's, it's a football stadium. We all get that. Um, but, yeah, what, what was your experience playing in the Coliseum? Uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, it was obviously that huge foul territory uh, is really nice, especially – since I, you know, would get a lot of foul balls too. I mean, I wouldn't get a lot of hard contact for a while, and um, that helped me out. But uh, yeah, stepping in that stadium, I mean, it was it was the first stadium I knew. You know, I didn't play in a big college stadium. I didn't, you know, play through the minor leagues pretty quickly. But to me, it, it was great. Um, I know people, you know, players hated coming there and and, and playing. I know the fans could be tough on them and. Yeah, the locker rooms weren't great, but uh, it was still home to me, and I, I don't know, I, I loved it. I mean, I'm happy with the way it is, but, you know, it, they do need a new stadium and need to give that to the fans. But, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, yeah, it was just a great experience. Rich, I, I know you never got a chance to uh, pitch in the World Baseball Classic. We just had one that this past uh, preseason uh, in Team Canada, acquitting itself pretty well. well. One of these years we're going to get through the group stage there. Uh, I don't know how close you are to, to, to Canadian baseball uh, in your retired phase, but you know, do you, do you have a, a feel for, for the state of Canadian baseball, at least the major leaguers that are, that are Canadian right now? Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I still keep an eye on it uh, here and there. Actually, it's with my son now being in baseball, it's gotten me back into the game more and kind of tracking and seeing what's going on. And um, yeah, not uh, not having an opportunity to uh, play for Team Canada was uh, you know it was really tough for me. That's probably one of the toughest things in my in my career, more so than you know my career-ending shoulder injury and that. And uh, you know, I was always every time the World Basic World Class Baseball Classic rolled around, I was. Yeah, had two surgeries at the same time, and then, you know, the, the third, my shoulder was pretty much shot, and I was limited on pitches in a season and, and couldn't do it. So it, it's something that's always uh, kind of in the back of my mind. So I don't know. Uh, I'd love to uh, I'd love to get out there, but, hey, I'm 41 now, and who knows? Yeah, yeah we saw your former t- uh, teammate, Ryan Dempster, get out there at an advanced age as well. Hey, Absolutely. You, I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Uh, but, Rich, uh, <laughs> glad to hear from you uh, yeah. and glad to see that you're getting your due this weekend. Thanks yeah, so much for doing this. Congratulations. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. There's Rich Harden, uh, former Major League pitcher, going into the Canadian uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend. So he mentioned it uh, that he, you know, and you asked a great question. What a question by you. Huh. How would your game. How would it work in today's game? Yeah. Um, and what what about the tools at your disposal? So, as we all know, Rich Harden was a power pitcher. Sure. 2004, led uh, Major League Baseball in average fastball velocity. You know what the average? 94 and a half. This is 94 miles an hour. Very yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, Sandy Alcantara. What year was that? 2004. That's been a while. Sure. So, yeah, Sandy Alcantara uh, leads Major Leagues Baseball in average fastball velocity. You know what it is right now? 98 and some change. <laughs> it's at 97.8. Oh, that's close. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, where uh, the human arm can no longer throw faster, right? Like, uh, where where does this end? 
That that's like in in another what fifteen years we're going to be talking about the average yeah, fastball I, being one hundred and five miles an I, hour or something. I think it's about how they get paid. If if owners organizations stop paying pitchers to try off seasons, figure out how to consistently throw ninety eight miles an hour, that's when it'll stop. If mm-hmm. they don't stop or start paying them in a different way, mm-hmm. then I don't think it'll ever go away. Like it'll. It, it obviously works, right? It's like, it's like there is no fastball counts anymore. There is, you know, it's not about let's figure out how you can work through to get seven innings out of your starter. No, go out there and let it eat from pitch one, see how far that takes you. Mm-hmm. And that, the reason why they do that is because that's how they're getting paid, right? If you give us five of scoreless baseball, you're going to make tons of money. Mm-hmm. It's not about longevity. So, yeah, I think there's – it's funny when you said 2004 is 94 and – this year, it's in the 98 range, right around 98. That's Imagine being it's like, crazy, you right? Know, yeah, you see 95, trying, and you're like, oh, you're blown about, away by 95. Think about trying to hit it, right? <laughs> direction. It kills direction. That's exactly what that does. It's no longer about staying behind a baseball, right? If you're right-handed and a runner's on second and move him to third with less than two outs, very hard to do that. No well, fastball counts. No, it's just – And it, to be able to let 98 travel – Good luck. No, it's just it's hilarious to me that we talk about the state of offense in Major League Baseball. Oh, you got to get rid of the shift and the shift. Like there's these other things that are are suppressing. Yeah. Off. It's that. It's it's. That well, you, how do you get rid of it? I don't think you can. I, I don't know because yeah, and you know, there's. I don't think you move the mound, mound back. back or, or, that that injuries. didn't work. You know, well, it also injuries. And apparently that didn't work too because there's breaking balls, wild breaking balls sure. that, that have more effect. At, yeah, I I don't know how you do it. You'd have to use more sticky stuff. To be able to throw breaking balls yeah. further away, right, and have it in the strike zone and be competitive with it, mm. I, I don't I'm know. not sure they want to. Like I, I don't think they want to take velocity out of the game. They, they want to take all the sideshows out of the game, right? But it's wow. the actual, like the the shifts and the, you know, how quickly the games are. Like those are sideshows. It's actually because you can throw 98 for five or six innings in a row. It's pretty cool. Like, not a ton of people could do that. If you can do it, I think it's very hard to be able to try and take that away from somebody. Because not everybody can do that, right? No. Well, and I I don't know how you would take it away from I I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, that what you would like to do is keep that um, and just, you know, have more people with the ability to to hit it, to, to, you know, drop the strikeout rate. The strikeout rate is... Truly the, the biggest issue well, with Well, you baseball. think about that. That's why the automated strike zone is. The issue is trying to find what a strike is up. Mm. That's the thing, right? Is khakis have, have said, okay, launch angle? How do you get away from that? You throw velocity above their belt. Mm. See if they can get on top of that or level out their swing because the other swings up until two strikes, they're still trying to hit the ball in the air because they're trying to hit homers because that's how you get paid. But with two strikes, what do you do? You want to elevate the baseball. So let's see them do two different things in one at bat. It's very hard to do. On top of that, with velocities and how much tunneling the breaking balls do, you know, we're seeing 3-1 breaking balls with the bases loaded, 3-2 breaking balls with the bases loaded. They don't care to walk you. So if you're a hitter, you're thinking, okay, I'm in a fastball count, but really I'm not. Mm. So it's you're, you're adding a bunch of things to it and asking a hitter to make tons of adjustments to guys that throw a bazillion miles an hour who can locate now. It's a lot to ask. It is. Uh, so you've never been inducted into a Hall of Fame again, pending the the broadcast, the radio Hall of Fame. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to ask you the same question I you know, talking to Rich about, the, the competitive fire, right? Yeah. And that your your whole life is dedicated to this one thing and, it, and you know, 
yeah. working and you realize a dream, you get to the major leagues and yeah, you know, yeah. it's taken away from you and 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 you don't feel like you want to retire, but you're sure. kind of forced into it. And how do you how do you funnel that energy towards something? Like how do, how and how long does it take to get over that? Well, that's pretty lucky. When I was when I was ready to go, it was I was ready to go. Like yeah. I, I wanted no part of picking a bat up or going and playing softball league or mm. doing any of that with my buddies. I didn't want any part of that. I was fortunate enough to for somebody to give me an opportunity to do this, where I can throw all of my time and energy into figuring You're out welcome. how to not sound ridiculous and people would understand it and you know i could break it down and not make it sound because when i say it out loud to myself sometimes normal people who don't you know live and breathe baseball like i do just can't understand that Mm. so i guess i've thrown my energy into trying to simplify things and you know make it understandable Mm. which takes a lot of effort and you know what i don't know i'm i'm man enough to raise my hand and go ask somebody that is in baseball and you know i've i've been around everybody that's in the Blue Jays organization, so that's a benefit of mine. And I, obviously, I played with a bunch of people, so that helps out a lot too. I guess that is part of it. I was fortunate enough to meet the right person, give me an opportunity. I could throw my energy into this yeah. instead of trying to, you know, eliminate plate awareness, which was my issue when I was a big leaguer, and stop chasing the ball in. I can't imagine now. You know, often I have the on deck at bat where I'm sitting at home and I'm trying to think along and what well, I, I wonder about for. that. It's the elevated fastball. Yeah. Like now I just don't know what you do. I got a natural uppercut in my swing and I used to cast, which would mean my hands get further away from my body because sometimes my lower half would leak. My front foot would go one way. My hands would go the other way, which is sort of out and around. And obviously everybody knows the further your hands get away from your body, the weaker your swing gets, right? You just don't have any of that last little whip to it. Mm-hmm. How would I control the elevated fastball? And would I be good enough to lay off it? Talk, everybody I ever talk to is, don't try and hit it. Try not to swing at it. Yeah. It's easier said than done it's when it's impossible. coming in at 98. North and south is the hardest thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like for an umpire. Normally, it's not east and west. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's north and south that ha- they, umpires have issues with. Players are no different. It's how do you lay off it, right? Can I get wider with my base to get my eyes closer to the strike zone? Can I do something to my hands to just level out my swing like Kevin Biggio is starting to stand straighter up and down? That's why he can get the head out on 101. Again, it just doesn't happen because he's made an adjustment, right? He used to be the big bend with the upper half and had the natural or more launch angle to not hit the ball on the ground, right? So... It's 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 an interesting conversation. I don't like golf. I occasionally like to go watch it. Mm. I love football. Yeah. Because my wife, you know, she likes the Chiefs and I like the Broncos. They're mm. in the same division. Mm. She loves poking fun at me because the Chiefs always, you know, take them behind but the you, woodshed. But that's interesting. The Broncos. Though. So I like doing that, and that's kind of fun. But but that you but you, that has nothing to do with yeah, anything. Like you didn't miss playing though. That, yeah, absolutely you, not. Yeah, you put the, the bat down. You but didn't my, want it. It makes sto- you sick to see my, a baseball bat. Now. Absolutely not. My story <laughs> is different, right? I, yeah. I you know I went to everywhere known the man to try and keep my career yeah. going longer, and just came to the realization that it's well, enough's man. enough, right? It's well, you just can't hold on to it that long. Sooner or later, you got to give it up. And when I gave it up, I was, I guess, fortunate enough. Just when I gave it up, I walked away from it and didn't think about it again. Yeah, uh, you found your calling, though. I, oh, I, I think appreciate we could, that. We could all say that. All right, uh, time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Uh, let's bring in producer Mark Boffel. Hello, Mark. What's up, guys? 
Hey, Mark. Uh, you know, just doing a radio show. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> um, obviously, the Jays played this afternoon, but Sportsnet has the White Sox taking on the Dodgers tonight at 10 p.m. Uh, 2022 Cy Young finalist Dylan Cease on the mound for Chicago. How do you see him go? How do you see him doing against the Dodgers tonight? Bet Rivers has his strikeouts set at over under five and a half. I like over. I mean, Dylan Cease good. I, I mean, the Dodgers are good, but they strike out a bunch too. Uh, he's also gone three straight starts with more than six punch outs. A couple uh, of those are against Detroit too. I get it. I yeah. get it. Do- Dodgers bottom half of the league in in strikeouts against righties. Yeah, I, I'm gonna bet on the guy who is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I get it. You know, best. Pitching beats uh, offense. See, I'm going to go khaki on you right, right here. For, for, <laughs> first time this year on this show, I'm going to do that. All right. Spin, spin rate on his slider and his curveball are down. Okay. That means he's not going to get as many swing and misses on those two pitches. Dodgers don't strike out a ton at home. Mm. They're in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. It's in Dodger Stadium. Because of those two things, I'm taking the under. All right. We're on the, the opposite side of things. So he'll probably strike out 15. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> and you can watch that game, 10 o'clock on Sportsnet tonight. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. All right. When we come back, um, I know it's only June, but you know, trade deadline kind of fast approaching. Ooh. Yeah, about a month and a half away. Uh, Jeff Passon of ESPN already wrote an early trade deadline primer. Uh, could the Blue Jays be sellers? We'll see. Uh, we'll talk to Jeff next as uh, Blair and Barker continues. I'm Ben Ennis in for Jeff Blair. We are on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and also on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Ben Anderson for Jeff Blair's Blue Jays dropped to uh, 38 and 32, dropping a fifth state, uh, straight series to American League East opponents, Ooh. losing 4-2 to the Baltimore Orioles. Danny Jansen, he was good. Hit uh, two home runs, his first hit since uh, coming off the injured list. You said Kikuchi, he was fine, uh, giving up two earned runs over four and two thirds. But uh, the offense hard to come by for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays these days. Let's talk to uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN, who is uh, kind enough to join us. How's it going, Jeff? Great, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. So, yeah, this Blue Jays team, uh, for a lot of people's uh, pick to, to win the World Series this year, and it is, it's only June, but it's been a very disappointing uh, stretch, especially against divisional foes. Uh, I know you wrote your early trade deadline preview earlier this month. I mean, at, at what point do we start considering the Blue Jays as potential sellers as we get into July? Ooh. Oh, God. I don't think this team's selling. I, like, there's six games over 500, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I believe are they a playoff team or are they like a couple of games back? Uh, I think they're they're a game and a half out. So they're mm-hmm. there is what is it? It's it's the Orioles are the first wild card. Yeah, today. Astros. Yeah. So and then the Yankees. Like, Orioles, there's like four teams Orioles, fighting Astros, for the two Yankees. spots, and the Jays are yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Orioles, Astros, Yankees, Angels, and Blue Jays. That's about, it. Right? Yeah, that's it. And you want to sell? <laughs> Come on. Like, if let, let's put it this way. 
if the Toronto Blue Jays at any game, like six games over 500, sure, but three games over 500, two games over 500, if the Toronto Blue Jays are over 500 in sell, it will be the biggest atrocity of baseball stewardship since the white flag deal with the Chicago White Sox 25 years ago. This team is not selling, period. Okay, so how do they get better? Like, it just it seems like long-term to get better, you would have to give up maybe an aging center fielder who is elite defensively, and that is your issue last year. We get it. But there has to be, you know, some reason why you're doing this to make your team better. I think that's the whole point, right, is – yeah, I, I, I get I get what you're saying, but what are you going to get right now? For, you're talking about Kiermaier, right? Yeah, yeah, or Whit Merrifield, one of those two, or dare I say the third baseman, which we're not going to bring that name up just yet because it's a little too early. But, yeah, yeah that, guys, that would guys, be the thing. Guys, right? what, are, guys what are you, what are you going to get for, for Whit Merrifield or Kevin Kiermaier? Like, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, this is not a rhetorical question. What are you going to get for him? Like, not a lot. Absolutely. That's just the, that's the reality of the trade market. So if you want to cure what ills the Toronto Blue Jays, you are not going to do it by selling at the trade deadline. There's too much talent on this team to, to punt on it. It just it, it makes no sense where they are uh, in, in their evolution. This is like this is an offseason thing. Maybe, maybe they go out and buy, uh, but I don't think they're going to be giving up big prospects in doing so. I don't think they're going to, you know, mortgage their farm system for the hopes of getting a better wild card spot because they're not passing the Rays. The, I, I, I would bet they're not passing the Orioles. Um, you know, they're they're clawing here just to get into the playoffs. So this is one of those years where if I'm the Blue Jays. I go maybe incremental upgrades, but nothing, nothing too serious, nothing too significant. You surprised they sent Manoa down? No, he needed to go down. It was, you know, it was a mess. And I, you know, I believe Alec Manoa is going to be fine. Let me, let me just come out and say that now. I think Alec Manoa is going to be just fine, but there are some things that he needs to work on. And uh, there's some adjustments that he needs to make. And when you are competing for a playoff spot and uh, you're throwing a guy out there every fifth day who simply is not a major league quality starter right now, it doesn't matter if he was an all-star. It doesn't matter if he's supposed to be the linchpin of your rotation going forward. Sometimes guys need a reset and he needed a reset. And uh, you know, I think that it's going to serve him very well long-term and uh, that this is the kind of wake-up call. Uh, listen, th- there is no more famous wake-up call in mm-hmm. baseball than Roy Halladay, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So I, I, I'm not saying that because Alec Manoa is a Blue Jay, he's going to have the same response that Roy Halladay did when he got sent down to rookie ball. What I'm saying is that there is precedent for this and precedent for it turning out extraordinarily well. And so – I'm an Alec Manoa believer, and uh, I believe that in the end he's going to be a vital part of this franchise going forward. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, it took a, a whole season of Roy Halladay not being very good and then you know a couple of months of, of going all the way down to A-ball before he became Roy Halladay. If, if Alec Manoa does not return 
to Alec Manoa status this season. I mean, we're already talking about a team that's a game and a half out of a playoff spot right now. But what does that do to the Blue Jays' chances of, one, getting into the playoffs, and two, again, looking like that team many people pick to win a World Series if there's no elite-level Alec Manoa on this team? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the frustrating part. The re- Listen, the reason I picked them to go to the World Series is because I looked at them as a whole team. Like, you, you could look at them at the beginning of the year, guys, and say – uh, if the Blue Jays starters are struggling for a week, I have faith in the offense to pick them up. The Blue Jays offense is struggling for a week or two. I have faith in the starters to pick them up. There's enough depth in the relief core. Uh, you know, the relievers are notoriously fickle year over year, but there's enough depth there where even if a couple guys don't do what we expect them to, maybe someone will step up like Nate Pearson has. Um, and defensively, that that to me was – uh, always going to be the question mark uh, on the infield, particularly. But uh, they, you know, like their outfield's really good. Matt Chapman's pretty darn good, and the rest is fine. So I, I look at the Jays and I'm like, why are they this bad? They shouldn't be this mediocre. And I still, uh, you know, maybe maybe foolishly, I don't watch them every day. I'll be honest. Maybe foolishly, I still believe that they're going to be right in the thick of things when it's all said and done. Jeff, in the past, I think me and you have had bad conversations about Jose Barrios, right? It was warranted, right? He, he wasn't having a good year. The contract thing, we were, you know, pulling each other's hair out thinking that that's a terrible contract. And all of a sudden, this Jose yeah, has been Bar- like the best pitcher. It, it is unbelievable. Do you think Major League Baseball is surprised about this? Like the, the big turnaround of he simplified things of just find a release point. And be able to self-correct on the mouth. Jeff, it sounds funny, right? It sounds easy to just say to a veteran guy who's been around forever to just go yep. and figure that out. And all of a sudden, he's figured it out. And he looks like this. You think baseball's surprised about that? Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if, like, the, the baseball community writ large had completely written off Jose Barrios. But I think just about everyone looked at that contract and was like, mm-hmm. that's a, yeah, that's no bueno. Like every, every team is going to have its fair share of bad contracts. And that looked like one of them. And now it, it looks like the most important contract on this team. The, the way that he's been pitching has been a lifesaver because what you're getting from Barrios right now, Kevin, is what you were expecting from Manoa. Right. I- yeah. So, and, and what you got from Manoa is sort of what you were expecting from Maria. <laughs> yeah. So, it's it's nice to be able to uh, fill in that void uh, with something that kind of came out of nowhere. Because mm-hmm. look, we, like we saw him during spring training, we saw him during WBC. He looked terrible. Looked looked. I, I mean, he looked like the guy who should be sent down to rookie ball. But uh, man, baseball is a funny game, isn't it? It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how. One day you look like you shouldn't be pitching in high school, and the next day you can be dominating in the big leagues. Yep. Uh, and one year you can be a 100-loss team. The next year you're an 83-win uh, team. And then the year after that, you're maybe a 100-win like team. Second-best team in baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was not they're, that. They're, they, are, they are really good, aren't they? It's crazy. It, and they have eight of the top 100 prospects, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, in baseball as well, yeah. Jeff. Like, it, it, yeah. it doesn't always play out, according to Hoyle, be, but you know what? A lot of people were saying the same things about those Astros teams after they, they lost, what, th- three seasons where they lost 100 games in a row but accumulated all those prospects 
that one of these years they're going to be winning a World Series and they won one and then they won another. I mean, it's hard not to look at this Orioles team the way they're they're already good at the major league level and how there's so many great high-level prospects, like just in AAA, and, and look at that as the next oh, like, mean, dynastic I mean, team. They, they, have, they have Colton Kowser and Heston Kierstad at the upper levels of the minor leagues with Kobe Mayo and, uh, like, guys who – probably on other teams will be starting in the big leagues right now. And and beyond that, they have the best prospect in baseball on Jackson holiday. Mm-hmm. Like it's an embarrassment of riches. The Orioles need starting pitching that that's going to mm-hmm. be the differentiator. And that's the way, you know, I, I think that's the most underappreciated part guys of what the Houston Astros did um, with Luis Garcia and from Valdez and Christian Javier um, I mean, guy after guy, Jose Arquiti, another one, just cheap signings, didn't have to go out. They they signed out of Latin America and developed rotations full of pitchers. And I understand, you know, they traded for Garrett Cole and uh, they had Justin Verlander there and traded for him as well. So uh, there are instances in which you can take that prospect capital and turn it into something. Um, but the, the one thing keeping the Orioles from being the Astros is that pitching staff. It's not there from my, you know, from my perspective, I don't think there's enough there to go out and win a world series right now, but they're a damn good baseball team. Jeff, whenever I was watching the Yankees and the Mets, I was wondering to myself, how in the heck do the Yankees continue to do this? All the injuries they've had, Aaron judge seems like he's going to be out to the all-star break. The only reason I say that is you look at the Mets, Pete Alonso is not there. The pitchers for them that they were expecting to be dominant are not being dominant. They're under 500. They're not very good. They don't look like they're going to be good anytime. Now the Yankees are sort of in the same mix and they're in the best division in baseball, Jeff, and they're nine games above 500. They're five and five in their last 10 they're above 500 at home and on the road. How do the Yankees do that? Explain that to me. Uh, they do that, Kevin, with starting pitching. And Domingo Herman has been sneaky good this year, and Garrett Cole has been really good this year. And uh, when you look at their bullpen on top of that, I mean, uh, Clay Holmes, uh, they, Aaron Boone has ridden Clay Holmes hard. He's been in almost half the games. Um, Michael King in the bullpen as well. They're just solid. Wandy Peralta, Ron Marinaccio, Albert Abreu, not guys uh, who are getting paid a ton or who have big names. They're just solid big league pitchers, and they've given them enough to buoy them despite the loss of judge. And despite the fact that Carlos Rodon signed for $162 million and hasn't played the game yet. Mm. You look at that lineup day in, day out. It's not good. No, I mean, they're, they're playing Jake Bowers, Willie Calhoun and Isaiah Kiner Falefa regularly in the outfield. It's grim stuff. And yet there they are ahead of the Jays in the standings. And you're right. It doesn't make sense. Just doesn't. So it's not it. Like, you know, a, a lot of people talk about, well, that team has it, whatever that is. No. An edge or, no, it's pitching. No. That's what you're saying? Yeah. It's like I every mean, other team, no, sort of. Trust me. Trust me. The Yankees do not have it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yeah. You yeah. know, also, I, I'm pretty convinced does not have it uh, are the Mets, uh, the team that just <laughs> split that, that two-game series with the Yankees. And, okay, 
Yeah, it's a, way too soon to be talking about the Blue Jays selling, and they are six games over five hundred. The, the Mets, you know, salvaged that game and are now four games under five hundred, and they got you know almost ninety million dollars tied up into two guys who are aged, uh, who are not having great years, and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, and yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it amazing that right now the first place team in the American League East, the second place team in the American League East the first place team in the American league central and a team in the Cincinnati reds who, when it's all said and done, I think may wind up being the first place team in the Ameri- in the national league central. All of them uh, have entire team payrolls lower than what Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer are making this year. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, is, is that, is there a lesson to be learned here? Like should we no longer see a, a a team outspend everybody else by hundreds of millions of dollars. Is this a learning experience no, for Steve no, Cohen? I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the lesson. I think the lesson is investing in old starting pitching yeah. is very risky. And yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to spend money, you want to spend it the right way, right? Um, I, I don't know that the Mets have necessarily spent it the right way. When you go back and look at their team last year and their team this year it's pretty similar. Like there's not a whole lot of change to the team. Um, yeah, they, they brought in Verlander, but, uh, you know, they lost Jacob deGrom. They, they brought in Jose Quintana, but they lost Chris Bassett. Like they're, they're, they sort of traded one for one, except a bunch of guys just got raises, whether it was Edwin Diaz or Brandon Nimmo or uh, Pete Alonzo, you know, the arbitration eligible guys, they, they're just, that's what happens. Guys get paid more the the longer they're around in the system, and uh, those incremental gains added up to this humongous payroll and this enormous luxury tax bill with a team that is better than its record right now. I don't think the Mets are a sub five hundred team. I don't think they're a great team either, though. Hey Jeff, how how do they fix sticky stuff in baseball? Drew Smith, the Mets, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers, teammates. Like, like, it's just a bad look, Jeff. Like, I, I, I don't want to say, like, you, you know, you up the ante, maybe it's 20-game suspension. Like, you make it so hard on them that it's a 1,000% sure they're not going to cake it on before they run yeah. out of the pen. Like, that, that seems to be sort of the only way. I got to be honest with you. It's just sort of a bad look because it's almost like when pitchers get caught with it, they sort of laugh at Major League Baseball. Like, ha-ha, nobody else thinks this is true. Why are you guys busting us for it? And it seems to be like some crews call it, some crews don't call it. How does Major League Baseball fix it, you think? Uh, I don't have a good answer to this, and I wish I did. I, I don't know that there is a good answer to it. You know, there's been some suggestions that you have something that you, you know, put on a pitcher's hand. And if it sticks to it, then he's out. And if it doesn't stick to it, then he's fine. I I don't know. I I look at the whole thing as a bummer, honestly, because it's it's one of those areas where players were given an inch and they took a mile. And I don't blame them for it. Like the, you know, they they are playing for wins. They are playing for millions of dollars. The same logic with steroids, and I I suppose your idea of increasing the penalties, you know, 10 games is two starts uh, is four relief appearances enough to have a guy not do it. No, 
Yeah. No, clearly not. Yeah. Um, would would missing four or five starts uh, do it? Maybe. Would a twenty five game suspension? I, <laughs> let's put it this way: I think it would be a whole lot tougher to rationalize losing twenty five games than ten. Mm. Well said. All right. Now, now that we're on the the topic of bummers, uh, the Oakland A's seem like they're they're like they're they're headed to Vegas real real soon. Like, where are we with that, Jeff? Like, how how close to to rubber stamping uh, that process are we? It's done. I mean, the the governor needs to sign it, and he's been the biggest advocate in Nevada of anyone really for bringing the A's to Las Vegas. And then it goes to a relocation committee, and unless there is some sort of uh, some sort of conscience grown by the owners in Major League Baseball who look at this entire scenario and uh, and recognize it for the farce that it is, for the fact that we've seen Montreal Expos 2.0 and Major League the movie play out again in real time, and it just went and happened and nobody did anything about it unless there's a a spine that has grown by a bunch of owners to turn against one of their fellow owners and tell him to sell the team the same way that they did back when the San Francisco Giants were trying to move to the Tampa St. Pete area. Unless that happens, and I do not foresee that happening, uh, the Las Vegas A's will be a reality. But I, I can't imagine they're going to build a stadium in time for next season, right? Like, can they do this again? No, for, no, 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 no. What are no, they going to no, do no, next no. year? like, um, next year they're still in a they're still in a lease at the Oakland Coliseum, but Oof. that runs out after 2024. At which point, if not sooner, but uh, at at latest in 2025, they will be moving to um, to the west side of Las Vegas to play in a 10,000 seat minor league stadium. Jeff, uh, it makes me sad. I don't, why does that make sounds, me sad? Sounds, on, uh, because it sounds a lot like the Blue Jays during COVID. Yeah, like absolutely. It makes and because and because it, and because it is sad <laughs> that uh, a a fan base that had for a really really long time been loyal, despite having ownership that never reciprocated by going out and getting players, by keeping players, by signing players long term. Just you know, they the A's have never done that. Fans still showed up to games and yeah, their stadium sucked and should be condemned yep. the day that that thing, the day that the dynamite goes off in that place will, will be a good day for everyone, but the possums in the wall. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, they, they need a new stadium. I, I don't disagree with that, but a new stadium could have been had in Oakland and it wasn't. And uh, it's a sad, sad story in sports when a, a city like Oakland that, uh, as recently as a few years ago, had three major professional teams. Uh, soon going to have none. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, they're still hanging in there against uh, the Rays uh, at the Coliseum right now, down four three as they play in the ninth inning. Jeff, uh, appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks. You're the best, buddy. Thank you, boys. Have a good one. Hi, you. Right, you too. There's Jeff Passan, ESPN. Um, I, I don't understand why all of a sudden mm-hmm. everybody we've talked to is sad about this. Yeah. Like that. Why? Why no, do you John think, Fisher, like, not the owner. Think, he's not. He's not so sad. I don't, I don't even think of John when I when I think. Right. I mean, I, obviously he is, and he's thinking about yeah. greed and money. And yeah. That's what it makes the world go around. Uh, yeah. Whatever. But why all of a sudden is everybody, including me? Mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you. I rarely think of that place, but all <laughs> of a sudden, now that they're trying to take it away, 
I think of it a lot now. And it makes me sad a little bit for the baseball community because of the way we saw it in the past and Ricky Henderson stealing all the bases and holding the bases in the air. It's just, I, it's just odd, right? That all of a sudden now we're, we're rooting against it. Like we hope it doesn't happen and they stay there and, well, that's one of the worst stadiums in baseball. Jeff is right. It's atrocious. Like, it, there's nothing good about it. Yeah. But we're sad it's leaving. It's very odd. Yeah, well, I think you said it, though, that there are memories that we've all experienced either being there. I've seen a baseball game. That wasn't the worst place in the world to see a game in person. Lots of seats available. I could move around. It was fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, we all have, yeah, we've all seen Moneyball, too, right? So, like, even yeah. people who are not necessarily baseball fans have, at least some affinity for the Oakland A's in that atrocious ballpark in Oakland. And they've been a pretty good team in the not too distant past, right? Like that was winning 20 games in a row, winning division titles in a maybe not so great division and in a situation where there was uh, less, uh, less balance in in the schedule. But yeah, that was a team with, with, with great, great pitching, some, some great all-time players and Eric Chavez and, some great teams no that played. And you Frank Thomas. going in there if you're a visiting team, right? Oh, yeah. It's that place. And look what they got over there. And how do you pitch to it? And mm-hmm. they're going to run all over the place. I don't know. It's just all of a sudden I feel sad about that. Well, don't feel sad. All right, let's talk about something that's uh, that's not sad then. Because we didn't talk about the Jose Barrio start yesterday because it happened. And we got an afternoon game today. But you you mentioned it. Like, this is a guy who now is on pace to have a career year as far as ERA. <laughs> Like, you, you go from having the, the worst year of his career and one that's like a massive, massive outlier and makes you wonder in, in year one of a seven-year extension what the hell that's going to look like yeah. to a guy that not only is going back to, to what you paid for in, in the consistency, but... Well, it's predictability, right? That's what they were paying for. Yeah, and yeah. a guy who's never been on the I.L. Absolutely. his entire career to, to now... Man, you're right. It's like a wash, right? Because, yeah, you had a... Don't even a guy, think about last year with yeah. him. Well, and also that Alec Manoa, you, you had penciled in for a top five Cy Young Award contender. What if no Jose Barrios, right? Uh, you'd be you'd be in a spot of trouble. Uh, you'd be in trouble. You probably wouldn't be fighting for a wild card spot is mm-hmm. where you would be. It's just, he's one of those guys, right? Self-correcting is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this offensively, the, the lineup. Well, you know, why can elite offensive players not do it? more consistently. Why, why is that happening? Jose Barrios talked about this forever last year. Like I, I brought this up to Jeff and we continue to talk about it. Every start looked like Groundhog Day. Like it just looked like when he was falling off the tracks, a veteran guy on the mound couldn't get it back on the tracks. Why is that? And then he went home and he just said, I got to simplify this so much to be able to have the same release point over and over and over again to make my slurve and my velocity better. I can't live here in the American League East with the stuff I'm playing with, or I'm going to get hammered and they're going to want to get rid of me because it's the American League East. The Blue Jays are trying to win a World Series. Like, I can't continue to do that. He's eliminated his windup. He's added the slower breaking ball. He's throwing more change-ups to righties. He's throwing front hit two-seamers to lefties. He could have done all that last year. Like, he can read bats better. Right, if a dude's not hitting his heater, and the you know the khakis are saying get him out with the slurve, but I'm reading bat speed, and he says get him out with the elevated fastball now because of all those things, and he does have a little mojo, which for me at this level means a ton, especially coming off the year he's coming off of, right? Oh, which yeah. was atrocious. Yeah. Now you add that to the mix, and he can do all those things. Heck yeah! Like I was the first one. I mean, anybody ever listen to me? You pay that dude amount of money, fix it quicker. 
I mean, what's going on here? Like, you're, that's why they're paying it to you. Predictability and you to be able to not have to have the pitching coach walk out there with his hand over his mouth and basically say, what's going on, dude? Yeah. Like, we worked on this a bazillion times between starts. Yeah. Why can't you fix it? So, good for him. He's a great dude, which I know doesn't matter. Everybody rolls their eyes, and I'm one of them. Yeah. He's a great dude. He's impossible not to root for. He owned it every time he stunk, which is a giant deal. There's none of that, like, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm. No, I stink. I need to get better. And he actually went and did it, which is great for him and great for the Blue Jays because, again, you mentioned it. With what there's what they've had going on with the rotation and, and just the quality of depth that they don't have. Yeah. I mean, if they didn't have Barrios. No, they, they already don't have a, uh, a six starter, which is, oh. you know, that's that's a bullpen day, which is happening on Saturday, by the way. Kevin and Gossman you say he's somewhat giving you the four yeah, and but, not the six, right, right? Right, So you need him to give you seven occasionally, and no, he's doing were, that now, right? If if Barrios was some something like he was last year, you'd be absolutely Dan Schulman, the first thing out of his mouth today was when the bullpen, I think it was Jimmy Garcia, said how rested they are. Yeah. Well, they're rested because mm-hmm. of that dude that's pitching in front of you, say. Okay, so hey, the offense needs to be better, and and if Vlad is what we've seen for the first two months Fingers plus crossed, of, of, of the, the season, today is the, the, they're screwed. Level. But you do look at the top of the rotation here. Kevin Gossman, yeah, he's had some bumps in the road, but he's Kevin Gossman, right? Two, two pitches, occasionally going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it's just a mathematics question that, yeah, Absolutely. when you're Not guessing good at fifty, math, but yeah. I'm guessing, yeah, fifty percent of the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you hang it. I got a decent yeah. chance. Uh, and Chris Bassett, hey, he doesn't throw a hundred, but you know, the sinker and the cutter have Consistent. to work. When it's working, yeah, he dominates people. When it ain't working, it looks like his last start. Okay. And then Jose Barrios, again, having a career year. Nobody's been as consistent as, as he has this season in, in the rotation. And then you say Kikuchi, fifth starter. But should we be talking about this team and its path to success and its path to getting into the playoffs? Not, uh, hey, we should be waiting on the offense. You need to score more than two runs a game. I get it. But should this? Should we be looking at the upside of this team existing through Starting pitching with those three Absolute. starters. In- innings and from the starting pitching. And defense. is giant. Absolutely. Out- outfield defense yeah. and innings from the rotation. I said this at the beginning of the season. The the outfield defense is obvious. That's mm-hmm. the one thing. In spring training, when, as soon as they got Chris Bassett, you're thinking to yourself, the two teams that made the World Series last year were in the top five in innings pitched from their starters. Mm-hmm. Guess who the number one team in baseball was last year from innings pitched from their starting rotation? The Houston Astros. The team that won the World Series. Yeah. It's no joke. Like yeah. it, you, you want to GMs. Every GM we've had on this show tells you the exact same thing. You need to lean on your rotation all season, so you can fill in the blanks. Your eighth inning guy, your seventh inning guy, because every great team has no brainers for the manager. Right? You got the seventh inning guy, you got the eighth inning guy, you got the ninth inning guy. If you can line it up that way. And occasionally make the right decision when you walk out there for the sixth inning. If you can figure that out right, you can win a World Series that way. Houston, they had no-brainers. You know, you got a manager who sometimes messes it up in big games. Mm. Give him no-brainers. Can't huh? mess that up. I couldn't mess that up. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I haven't checked lately, but a couple of weeks ago, they were still top five in baseball on innings pitched from their starters. Yeah, have to That's be. a giant deal. Like, yeah. that is huge because you want to abuse your bullpen when it comes playoff time and yeah. in September. Mm-hmm. That's how you get That's how you get to where you want to go, right, is because you're stuffing teams to death. Mm-hmm. You're not going to finesse them to death. And they got arms down there that can do it, mm-hmm. right? You don't abuse Swanson, you know, the split finger. It ain't splitting. Mm-hmm. It's a BP hater like today. But hopefully if you don't abuse that, Give him some room, 
right? Give him a little rest. Gets better finish, and that little turn he has, that's a big deal for him. When he turns, everything has to have separation. It's like a hitter. Your front foot walks away from your hands, right? It's that rubber band effect. The better you get that and the more direct it is towards you where you want the barrel to go to hit the target, pitching's no different. So when he's good with that little turn he has, everything, the spin, the break on the split finger, the location on the fastball is all Corrected. So, absolutely. I mean, that's a great point you made. Oh, thank you. And they, I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah. Now, well, obviously, knock on wood, something was to happen to Gosman or Barrios. Oh, well, I mean, knock on wood, we yeah. won't say that out loud, which I just did, <laughs> but I knocked on wood. Yeah. So, we're okay. But. Yeah. As long as those guys are healthy, you, yeah, the top of your rotation absolutely. can compete with any that's, team in baseball. That's why this, where you're sort of maneuvering around Gosman to, you know, he starts Friday. Yeah. So, he can start two times. I'm not real sure you want to make that a habit. No. I know it's the every five-day thing and it's the routine, but track record will tell you his stuff is elite times two Mm -hmm. when he's got the extra day. Yeah, even last year. So hopefully they get to give him that. Hopefully Manoa would come back somewhere around the break, Yeah, which would be kind of nice. I mean, that's what you're – you're sort of rumbling hearing that, right? It's conditioning, it's throwing program, it's weight program when it comes to how much weight you can bench and squat and take care of all that stuff. And then everything else is sort of repeatable. You can correct it quicker, yeah. right? If he has a rotational thing, he's leaking with his upper half, his shoulders flying to the first base side, I can correct that if I'm stronger. Yeah. Right? If my conditioning's better. Can you do that in season? Uh, well, well, we're going to find out. I mean, <laughs> we're going we're to find I out. I mean, what you're saying kind of reminds me of another fellow on this this Blue Jays team during a pandemic who, yeah, didn't maybe know he was coming back to play baseball and there was a, a, a conditioning problem that was attempted to be fixed in season that he was somewhat able to do and talking about Vladdy. But, yeah, what you're talking about, getting stronger, like going on a yeah, weight program, can I you do, do think, that in a month? I do think the the difference is one dude plays once a week, the other guy tried to play every day. Yeah, that, okay. That's the difference. All right. I mean, the the just the marathon of an of a season for an everyday player is much different. I mean, you're try, basically trying to get Mano through six innings. I mean, yeah. it's every five days. Yeah. Every five, that's what you're trying to do. And that's self-correct. And can he do it? physically on the mound. That's what they're trying to get to. I mean, the stuff's there. Like, let's not lie. It's there. It's just repeatability of, again, when it goes off the tracks, can I get it back on because I'm physically capable of doing that? And that's, you know, that's what everybody's rooting for. Because, again, it's almost like a, a it'd be like a, a an ad at the yeah. trade deadline. Yeah. If you can get him back, yeah. get Ryu back, like, Chad Greenback, maybe that's your eighth inning guy. It sounds like he's getting a little closer. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you don't seem excited about that. Well, no, I do. I'm, I'm excited. That's sort of what they're hanging. <laughs> no, they're begging I, for that. Let's put I, it to you sure that Sure, they are. But I'd say they're, they're begging more for Vlad to look like Vlad. But, yeah, no, it's all well and good. Well, that's because he's here now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but they're doing the, the, the good starting pitching thing right now, generally speaking. Uh, again, there's been some bumps in the road, and Chris Bassett's sure. last outing wasn't great. And, yeah, Kevin Gosman hasn't been perfect either. But, yes, you, you do need to score more than two runs a game, but the point is well made. Some would say the Bassett thing is more has to do with the Orioles because now all of a sudden the Orioles as an organization, like today, they ran out eight righties against yeah. a lefty. Against Bassett, they ran out seven lefties. Well, I mean, that's, like, what you, that's you go, well, how thing, many switch right? hitters do they have? They're like four. Well, they had a couple. They had a couple today, but yeah. the point is that they can actually do it. Mm-hmm. 
That's the thing, right? And now yeah. all of a sudden you got to work both sides of the plate and you got to be perfect glove side, arm side, like things got to be working up and down, east and west. Like, and that's just a credit to the organization for the Orioles. It's no joke now. Like they can match up to a bunch of different arms, angles, nine different pitches from one guy. Yeah. Give them credit. They're a better they're a better team right now than the Blue Jays. Give yeah, and they credit. got a guy throwing hundred uh 101 out of the bullpen, the back end of the game. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't get any easier uh, as the Blue Jays now face the best offense in all of baseball in in Arlington in a series that starts tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll also get to uh, your calls on the Blair and Barker back leg line. You can give us a call at 416-413-3959. That and much more coming up next. It's Blair and Barker, Ben Ennison for Jeff Blair. We're on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan sportsnet. Ben Ennis in for Jeff Blair. All right, the Blue Jays hanging in there. They're six games over 500. That's a surprise to see them fourth in the American League. He's also a surprise to see the Texas Rangers atop the AL West. But the Astros hanging in there as well. Uh, by the fact that now they've lost Jordan Alvarez is on the IL. But uh, yeah, Rangers uh, still first in the AL West at 42 and 25, hosting the Blue Jays for three games starting tomorrow. Kevin. Gossman getting uh, the first start of that series. They got a bullpen day on Saturday uh, before they go to Miami to play another surprising team in uh, in the Marlins. And Luis Arise, who's no longer hitting 400. Oh, boo. Like, like 380 or you something. He's a bum. Yeah. Uh, you think he's going to hit 400? I don't. I never did. I uh, didn't walk enough. Because, you know, you go back to 41 and Ted Williams. You need to walk a little. Yeah, Ted Williams, like, walked, like, in half of his plate appearances. Like, yeah. he, he basically had no at-bats because, you know, he's Ted Williams, and people didn't want to pitch to him when they did. He was hitting it either yeah. out of the ballpark or, you know, touching grass because he was Ted freaking Williams. It's it's impossible to have as many at-bats as Luis Arise is projected to have and, and hit 400 because, yeah, your batting average on balls in play, if you yeah. put everything in play, has to be super high. Anyways, he's a super exciting player, and the Blue Jays will get to see him uh, in a couple of games. Rangers starting tomorrow, old friend Marcus Semyon, who's having a great uh, season, and Corey Seager's back, and he's real good. All right, uh, mentioned the uh, back leg line, 416-413-3959. Let's, let's go to Stephen Burlington. Steve, Keep my neighbor. saying that you, no one's going to trade Vladdy. You don't want to trade Vladdy. My question is, why not? You talk about him like he is a, he's like an up-and-coming player, and then you rip him. For being an amateur so is he an amateur or is he an all-star like is he is he a stud all-star for this franchise uh or a franchise player because the way if you look at it and you're trusting your eyes he is not he is absolutely not one of those big time franchise studs that we were all hoping for him to be and if he can get us a boatload why not get a boatload for him Oh, okay. okay. That's directed at you. Well, absolutely. I'll take it. That's fine. Uh, it, look, <laughs> I think if Steve sees this, well, why wouldn't other organizations see, see this and, and not give, as Steve would say, boatloads 
or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like I, you see what you see for months at a time. We'll tell you that the adjustments on an everyday basement basis have not been made. And that's sort of how you're basing this is if he gets hot, because like Steve said, we thought he was going to be really good, but consistently because of what he's been swinging at, he has not been good. It's not because of talent. I talk about him mechanically because when he does swing at what he is supposed to be swinging at consistently, he hits balls harder than human beings are supposed to be able to hit them that way. That's why. And let me be honest. If Ross Atkins has enough nerve to trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr., yeah. he's more of a man than I am. Well, it's and it's a hey, I was going to bring up with Jeff uh, that Shohei Otani's doing it again. And, and the Angels are hanging around. They're, they're closer to a playoff spot than they were a season ago. But Shohei and Mike Trout's off to a slow start. But yeah, Mike, I, Shohei Otani's off to this insane start. But even still, if if the Angels are within shouting distance of the playoff, and this is a guy that's a panic free agent, they're not trading Shohei Otani because he's Shohei Otani. In that way, I mean, Vlad again, not a free agent until what twenty twenty six. I mean, you you trade a, a franchise icon like that. Yeah, you're you're sending a message to your fan base to, to everybody in in baseball that yeah, I, I something's mean, not right. We just got yelled at from passing about trading Chapman. I, I did or. Or Kevin Kiermaier or Witt yeah. Merrifield. I mean, the Witt and the Kevin thing, basically you're not going to get anything for him. I mean, that's, that's I think, why Jeff is saying that. And the Matt Chapman thing, you'd basically be telling your fan base you're punting, mm-hmm. I think is what they're saying. And I, quite frankly, not real sure what you get in return for him. I don't, I, the way he's playing, I just don't know. And I don't know what the market is for him. Like what team would right now give you what you wanted for him that would warrant the trade? That would be another thing. But, Steve, that's a good point. Like, I mean, he – look, there's some thing, There's some guys you would want to trade and try and trade. Vladdy and Bo, well, you better get it right. Well. Because of what the upside and because of what we've seen. I mean, Vladdy did have 30-plus homers and 90-plus RBIs last year and hit somewhere around, what, he hit 270-something? I mean, hits, that's not He's actually that's, got, that's hitting for a, for a better average this season awful. than he was a season that's, that's ago, and he's got a better on-base percentage. The slugging's much he's lower. He's got 40 RBIs this year. I mean, he's on pace for close to 41, that 100. Yeah. 90-plus, yeah. somewhere in that 90 yeah, that, to 100 range. I mean, that's a lot of stakes. Yeah, but that's that's not what we expect out of out of this guy, and especially after we saw it in twenty twenty one, him being the maybe best somewhere in, in the middle. Maybe he's not an aircraft carrier. Maybe he's not. He doesn't stink yeah. like sometimes we think he does. Maybe somewhere in the middle, where you know he's going to have some ups and downs, and he's going to look like, you know, why are you looking that way? Maybe that's who he is. To me, I just I view him and Bo as your your pot committed. That's your team, and if the, if those guys don't work out, then this era of Blue Jays baseball doesn't work out. Like you're, you're yeah. there's there's no pivoting off those two guys. Yeah, yeah. Look, I might have been wrong by the Albert Pujols comparison, where the three hundred thirty and a hundred for ten years in a row. I might be wrong about that, just because of, you know, maybe it's a different time now, and and how easy right now sometimes he looks to get out. Mm. But he's still. You got to ask yourself, what what could you get better? Mm. Like I know he's had some ups and downs, but. Are they giving you ten players, seven players, <laughs> five players, six players, four players, yeah. three players? Otani, like, what are you getting for him? Like, what what would what would benefit you enough to you're going to trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for what? Yeah, no, you're 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 trading him for prospects that you hope are are going to accumulate to more than him. But yeah, it's a situation where you're not getting better in the immediacy, and this yeah. is a team that has to 
if not win a World Series this year, they got to make the playoffs this year. They got to look like a team that can win the World Series in the next but couple. But I think to Steve's point, my point, your point, everybody else that talks about Vladdy, they sort of need him to catch fire. For, I would say. For, maybe not for an entire year. Maybe a month would help. It sure would. Yeah. Uh, good time to start would be tomorrow uh, in Texas. All right, let's go back to the, mm-hmm. uh, the back leg line. It's Timothy in Vancouver. Yeah, I just want to ask, uh, Ben, welcome aboard, by the way. I just want to talk a bit about the tablets on the bench. Um, I kind of get a little uh, missed by all the tablets. Me too. Do I need a tablet to tell me that I missed a pitch by a foot and a half? Looks like it. Or would it be better to come back and ask one of the seven coaches on the bench? That's a great point, too. Maybe what went wrong. I just think they're using these, these. They're getting analysis paralysis, I think, from these tablets on the bench. Your thoughts. Have that's a good day. A, uh, Timothy, that's a great point. I, I'm not sure I have the answer for it. And it never happened when I played. Maybe I wasn't good enough to, you know, after I popped out to the second baseman or grounded out to the first baseman to run over and ask a coach, yeah. can I see the tablet? What? They didn't have those when I played anyway, so do it wasn't wish a thing. It, do you wish they had it, though? No. I, mentally, I don't think I was strong enough in-game as hard as I worked off the field because I thought I was pretty prepared off the field that I just was hoping that I did enough swings to have that consistent bat path and lower half in an athletic position that everything would sort of, if I got my pitch and had better plate awareness, that everything would work out. And I, if it didn't work out and I was 0 for 3, then you sort of go in the cage and figure it out that way, right? You don't really want to see it 10 seconds after it went bad. Mm. I don't know how mentally they handle it. Yeah, what if you got punched out on a, on a on a borderline call? Does would, it change the fact? No, but no, wouldn't you want to know if you were right? No. You wouldn't? Because no, 98% of the time or 95% of the time, you are right. Like you you, you most that of seems the, high. most of these hitters have been around so long yeah. that they know, you know, if it's three inches off the plate away or up too far or most of the time they're right now occasionally because they were in slumps and they just want somebody to yell at they're going to yell at the umpire that's just the way it is it's life wear it mm. it's you being an umpire well i mean and that's another you know hey sometimes you want to release the pressure let's uh, we saw matt chapman throw down those tab- like the tablets at least have that utility that that's something to chuck around and they're very expensive and you, you got to be Probably not a guy on on a minimum Some, sometimes when contract. Things, sometimes when things are not working, you have to go outside your box a little. Okay. And maybe because you use the iPad all the time uh-huh. and it's not working for a solid month and some change. Mm. I mean, it's been a month and some change where yeah, it's it not working for certain people. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should not look at those. Mm-hmm. Trust what you're doing off the field that will translate on the field. I mean, let's be honest. The Matt Chapman thing, they know how to get you out now. You were red hot for a month. Smart people said, uh-oh, instead of Bo, Vladdy, Springer, now we got to add this dude to the mix and figure out how to get him out. Now it's the elevated fastball. How do you lay off that? And how do you, when you get a 2-1 cutter down the middle with a dude on second, that's 89 miles an hour, not miss it. Yeah, you're park That's there. sort of where you're at. And smile a little bit more. All right. Uh, have fun. You laugh. <laughs> but when you go golfing, you want to have fun or you want to be mad and throw all your clubs in the <laughs> no. water. That's yeah. not any fun. What it's comes expensive first, though? and it's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know what happens first. Well, not not if you had a month and if you played golf every single day yeah. and you did it for a month straight. And that was awesome. You're right. You wouldn't be awesome anymore. No. Yeah. You'd be, it'd be expensive and you wouldn't want to play. <laughs> You're right. All right. Let's go back. Uh, it's a back leg line. It is uh, Emma in Calgary. 
Emma. I just wanted to know your thoughts on Vladdy hitting in the cleanup position. Um, if the thought is putting him at cleanup gives him more runners on base, more traffic, uh, kind of to spur him along, doesn't that do the opposite? Like, wouldn't that make him want to hit more homers instead of just aim to just get on base or hit a single? Doesn't that put more pressure on him to hit more homers? Um, just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Love the show. Thank you. That is a tremendous point. And I, this is this is me. I think it's more about putting the hot hand in front of him mm. than moving Vladdy to the cleanup spot. I think they made that excuse up to say that it's easier to put him there because you want to put more runners on base in front of him and you want to be able to put a a contact guy like Whit Merrifield or whoever else is or Alejandro Kirk, somebody that makes contact. Yeah, I see you shaking your head, right? Well, it's not, I'm it's shaking not my right. head because so it's it's an, it's a good excuse yeah. to put Dalton Varsho, who was six for eleven mm-hmm. before two days ago, in the three hole. Brandon Bell had been hitting and walking a bazillion times, you want to put him in front of Vladdy because you'd rather get him up in the first inning than you would have Vladdy up in the first inning. I mean, it's real. That's mm. just life. That's the way it is. And it's a good excuse because you have to make something up to make still make Vladdy feel right Yeah, and get fans behind it by saying you want dudes on in front of him and you want a guy that makes contact behind him and our lineup just fits better this way. Well, and he was the, like one of the few guys in the middle of the lineup that didn't have an at bat with the runners in scoring position today. Because that's you, you do run into the risk of hey, you're you're trying to stack the the hot hitters in positions where they can come up with runners in scoring position. Uh, it does kind of feel like blackjack, where you're like, yeah, you keep hitting on sixteen and you keep busting, so you stop hitting on sixteen, and that's when you get a five. Jeremy right? Bernitz used to tell me all the time. He walked to the plate. He's in scoring position with nobody on. Yeah, I think that's that would what help. They're, they're, that's what they're trying to get from Vladdy. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, 0 for 0 with runners in scoring position. Blue Jays 0 for 6 today with runners in scoring position. Dalton Varsha 0 for 1. Matt Chapman 0 for 2. Yeah. George Springer 0 for 1. And that big at bat, you keep we'll talking squeeze, about first pitch. Squeeze in one more. All right, one we more. time. One more. All right, Devin in London. Uh, just a question. Last year, there was problems with not having enough land, left-handed batters in the lineup. This year, we added some, which makes it, you know, better look harder for their pitchers, but does that have any impact on our right-handed hitters having more left-handed hitters in the lineup? Thank you. Does it make a difference for the right-handed hitters that there's more left-handed hitters? I mean, I guess that's in regards to, you know, facing um, more left-handed pitching for the righties who had extreme platoon disadvantage last year. You could make the argument that because that pitcher has to work both sides of the plate and use a third pitch that it may take him out of his comfort level mm. and maybe hang something to a righty. You could say that. Yeah. But I'm going to get I'm going to get Springer out the same way. I'm going to get Bo out. I'm going to get Vladdy out. I'm going to get Witt out. Chapman out. Like I'm not. The way I pitch to those guys is not going to be any different if a lefty's in there or a righty. It was more about getting forcing that pitcher to throw a third pitch to a different location, mm. right? And most pitchers don't have three legitimate pitches. They'll have two. You know, they grip it and rip one, and they throw a fastball as hard as they can to quadrants. So that was the whole purpose. But it's an interesting thought. But I would think probably not. Well, and also when you you throw a bunch of left-handed hitters in there, they have to be good left-handed hitters, which Dalton Varsho has been recently. But, yeah, Kevin Biggio, uh, Kevin Kiermaier. 
Uh, exactly. Play yeah. the hot hand. Barry Bonds yeah. there. All right. Well, nobody is. No, that's it's true. A terrible comparison. <laughs> right. uh, Blue Jays in Texas to start a series with the Rangers tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back then. It's Blair Great and Barker. Great calls, everybody. Yeah, well done. Even uh, Steve, who yelled at me. Yeah. All right, Blair Barker. I'm bad at us. In for Jeff Blair alongside Kevin Barker. Sportsnet 590, the fan. And Sportsnet 